0: I absolutely love my conversation with Gianna DiMedio. She lost her father. And through that experience, through that loss, she began the deep dive into, as she said, was by far the most difficult time in her life. And the common thoughts that she shared that were included such as, why are people saying it? It never gets better. How am I ever supposed to function again? My life is over, right? And during that time, she understood more of herself. She understood more of the world of grief, and she realized that there was a need for a greater understanding of loss for everyone. You see, grief can easily make you feel like your world is over and that you are alone and she is here to tell you that is simply not the case. There are millions of us who have lost a loved one and are continuing to live a life worth living. And by leaning on each other, finding the light, and even the humor in everyday situations, and always keeping our loved ones in our heart, we can make that happen. I think you'll love this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Oracle of Light. I'm Shauna DeMellon. I'm a lifelong medium and certified life coach. And making the connection with the afterlife has brought me the greatest joy. Since losing my son, Jack, I have navigated grief, heartache, and despair. And it was through connecting with my son on the other side that my heart began to heal And I was able to find joy and meaning in my life again. Now I'm inviting you into this space as I explore the afterlife, the grieving process and rebuilding after loss. If you'd like to discover the spirit world and how to move through the loss of a loved one or child, you have come to the right place. This, is the Oracle of Light? You are listening to The Oracle of Light. I am your host, Shauna DeMellon. And today I have the lovely Gianna Demedio with me from So Sorry for Your Loss. I am yes. just, I'm so excited for our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for this. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I just love the spectrum of work and and all of the beautiful beautiful gifts that you offer the world. So Thank would you, you share? Would you share with everyone your story? Who are you? What happened along? How the-
1: I got here in this oh, world exactly. of grief, right? <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Absolutely. How does
1: one choose to go into this world? Well. Uh, It all started for me with the loss of my dad. I was 27 years old and he, it's, it's interesting. I say he died suddenly, which he did, but really there was a five day span. Um, And I, I think that really um, was a catalyst for me doing what I do too, because I, It was i was encompassed in it for for five whole days which i know seems very short there are so many people that go through this for months on months on end with with their loved ones in hospice but my dad had a heart attack on a wednesday and it was just fight to the death literally for that entire time and my family and i tried to make decision after decision we could to try to save him and it was just clear that it wasn't happening and that monday we we let him go and it was an incredibly hard transition for me, of course. I mean, how do you go through that and just like come out fine on the other side? You don't. But what I've really spent time doing is making sure that I can be a better person because of it. And I want to be able to say that my my dad's death wasn't for nothing. You know, like let's say what, what good can come from something like that. So... Um, unfortunately, after that, I experienced a couple other uh, profound losses too in my life. It was kind of uh, about a year and a half of of death, <laughs> um, which <clears throat> you know, for anybody that's been through it, it it just is it, it it is all encompassing, and I needed to face it head on to be able to understand it and to be able to move through with the rest of my life. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about later. There were some other things where I found out where this mm, kind of was like built into my DNA and seeing how people were dying at these young ages. And I just didn't want that to be my story. And I thought if I were to really tackle the issue and face it and not just shove it down, that I would have a better life, not only for myself, but for my future children and for my family and friends around me and, and for the strangers that I've been meeting through the work that I've been doing. And it's been so gratifying. And, um, I, I really hope to be an inspiration to people that life is not over when you experience loss. Sometimes it's only just beginning because there are so many things that I would never have been able to look at life in a certain lens had this not happened to me. I'm not saying it's not sad. I'm not saying you can't be sad with grief. You absolutely can, but that is not the end of it. There is more to your story.
0: I love that. And and I often, I often share with people, you know, that grief and joy coincide. I mean, we have, I call them, you know, pockets of grief or waves of grief. And, and it's, you know, I've, I've often joked with people that, you know, the first couple of years after I lost my son, Jack, I didn't wear mascara because I didn't know when I was going to be triggered and I was going to be mm-hmm. a big, mess and then there were moments of absolute joy and just so it was so profound and and you're right i love what you said like it's it's without that experience it doesn't open all of these other doors. And I don't know if you found this, but I found that it's just, it's a greater capacity for me to love. It's a greater capacity for me to show up in the world. It's it's, mm -hmm.
1: You have an appreciation for things differently than you once did. I think once you see the fragility of life as well, there's this, there's this kind of feeling that we, that we have growing up of like, we're protected and we're in this world of, of of a safe space and nothing can happen to us and the bad things that we hear about are only on the news and there's only on on you know Hollywood and movies and once bad things happen it's terrifying because that safety is kind of ripped away from you and you realize how vulnerable you really are but at the same time it makes you appreciate that safety and appreciate those good relationships and appreciate the good things in life Mm -hmm. because you've
0: seen the other side of the coin absolutely oh i love how you said that i mean it's it's so true it's oftentimes i find that people can um it's like they become stuck they become stuck in you know the loss and and what's happened and there are so many so many different ways that, that people can navigate. And, you know, I've, I've, as a medium, I've read for families, I've read for, you know, five family members in the same family and no one is experiencing the loss the same way. Yes, So profound. It's like, wow, you've completely accepted it. You are in a very dark place. Uh You are, you know, it's, it, it really is quite fascinating because it's, you know, and, and we talked about this before. I mean, there's no, there's no guidebook. I mean, they can kind of talk about, well, these are the stages There are five. And then I've heard there are seven. And it's like, I tell people throw that out the window and you
1: heard there are none at all. And it's all, what am I,
0: what am I doing wrong? How do I do this grief thing? What's happening? And it's like, Oh, just (laughs) no. So Mm -hmm. how do you, how, how do you best um, support someone when they, when they reach out, when they, when they're needing that extra support with their grief, what does that look like for you?
1: The biggest thing I try to have people understand is that it is, okay and not only okay but fully encouraged to feel it in its entirety it's almost necessary because you have to get it out and this is the saying that I have I have it on a t-shirt in my store feel it to heal it yes if you don't you're only pushing it down to come out another day you cannot run from this you cannot run from grief you i i have chills even now talking about it because i think like once i finally figured that out it it really was a turning point for me i was really hard on myself in the beginning and this is something that i find with so many people that i talk to it's a a recurring theme of of how hard people are on themselves to just be okay to just bottle it up be okay. I cried for a few weeks and now I should be okay. I remember saying to myself like it's been 2 months, I should be over this. Like <laughs> oh my god, 2 months, you know? Like I don't even think 2 years I was really still okay. It's 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 fine to get all of that out because that's the only way you're really going to truly process it. So to take that time to have the days to just lay in bed and do nothing, have the time to go through photos and cry your eyes out, journal like there's no tomorrow, get the thoughts down, get everything out of your head, feel ways that you can process it in different, have conversations with millions of people about the person that you lost, about the, the sadness that you're feeling, get different perspectives on it, you know, really go out there and do that work and feel it to its entirety. Mm -hmm. That is how you start to heal. And you'll feel, and that's not a lifelong journey. I'm not saying you need to do that for the rest of your life because you'll start to feel that it's not necessary as much anymore. And you'll start to, to realize that the legs that you once couldn't stand on are all of a sudden becoming stronger because of that work. And your grief doesn't need to be part of your everyday life.
0: I love that. Your grief doesn't need to be a part of your everyday life. That is so true. It's it's almost like there's this, this unwritten rule where it's, you know, suffering is noble and and I'm just, I'm not going to be able to get past it. And then there's the other side of it where it's like you were saying, all right, it's been a few months. Let's get on with this. Let's just put that away. It's done. It's over. And it's like, it's true. It's like, it'll just keep rearing its head until you look at it. It's just, it'll keep rearing. You know, after I lost my son, it was, you know, those first two years, I don't remember. I just threw myself into, you know, baking cupcakes for the school for my daughter. And I was looking at everything else besides that, because I didn't even know where to start with it. I was like, Oh, I didn't even know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I went through a phase where I felt like my identity was my grief. Like that was the only thing I could talk about. That was the only thing on my mind. Even if I wasn't speaking about it, I was very conscious of it in my social interactions of like, are people thinking that I'm being awkward right now because I like I just didn't sleep because I'm so like, you know, grief has been so much on my mind or like, very aware of everything that people were saying, almost like like on pins and needles, waiting for something to be a grief trigger to completely throw me off and and throw me into tears like there. Even if you're you're not talking about it, it was still very much in the front lobe, right? Like you were like constantly thinking about it. Um, and then I I remember probably about two two and a half years like you were saying I started to feel like okay this isn't my full identity anymore I don't yes. feel that it's 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 like I'm wearing it like a giant sombrero out wherever I go <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I was able to and you know it's still much of my identity as I'm sure you feel in doing the work that we do you know but I'm gonna be able to then turn the microphone off and close the computer and go about my day and not have it sit with me as much as it used to.
0: Yes, exactly. I love that. I found it became all consuming. It's like everything I looked at was through that yes. lens of I've lost my son, I've lost my child, I've lost my son, I don't know how to get through this. Oh my god, what am I da, da, da. And I found the biggest thing was like you were saying the identity of of the grief. I found that I had this whole other identity of Jack's mom, but then Jack isn't here, but I'm still his mom. And so it's like, it's like this total, uh, totally, totally different shift with my identity. Cause it was just like, okay, well, I, I'm not her anymore, but I, I'm sort of figuring out who I am now because I'm like, I used to refer to myself as Shauna 2.0, because it's like, wow, there are so many so many different layers to it. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't even want to look at it. And then it came into my work and which was fascinating. Cause I was like, I kept getting, Oh yes, yes. This is what we're going to do now. And I'm like, Oh hell no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. This is my personal thing. And we're not talking about that. We're this is wrapped up. We don't talk about that. And then I started to have clients show up who had lost children. I'm like, Oh, nicely played universe. <laughs> <laughs> nicely played. You guys yeah. smoke those in. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. And it's, I find, I don't know if you find this, I find people, are, it's like, I'm, it's like, we're just relatable. This isn't a course I took. This isn't a podcast I listened to. This isn't Mm -hmm. a retreat I went on. This is my experience and how I got through it. So it's, it's an inspiration. And I find that there's so much stigma around grief and loss and death. And there's just, it's like, it's just, I love having these conversations where we can just blow the top off that and just, Talk about it. It's okay to talk about it. There, you know, is I remember when my grandmother died. I was seventeen, and she was my favorite person on the planet. And my daughter is actually named after her, her Emma. And I remember, oh, beautiful, yeah. And I remember she had died. I knew that she was in the hospital. We saw her in the hospital, and then my parents came home one day, and my dad said, "Well, uh, you know, your your grandmother died." And I just kind of stood there, and he just kind of patted me on the shoulder, and he walked off. And my mother was in her room for two weeks crying, and that was it there was no conversation. So I love normalizing it. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a hurt, it's a pain.
1: And it's so present. You just don't see it until you're in it. I mean, I remember people coming out of the woodwork, connecting with me being like, Oh, yeah, I lost my mom. Oh, yeah, I lost my brother. Oh, yeah, I lost this person. I'm like, what? Like, I I didn't even know this, you know, people that you know, not some of my close friends, obviously, but like acquaintances that I had. And So there's this feeling of being so alone when it happens. I was surrounded by friends and family. I was very Mm -hmm. lucky to have the relationships that I did, but I have never felt more alone in my entire life. And starting to see it come out from other people or just strangers that I encountered or whatever and, and to realize I wasn't the only human on the planet that this happened to. Mm -hmm. logistically, I knew, of course, I wasn't the only 27 year old to lose her father, but it was hard to tell me in that moment otherwise, because it felt like the earth completely cracked open. And like, I fell inside into the lava, you know, like I I, Mm -hmm. like this monumental thing happened. But as I started to be vulnerable and speak about it, more people were coming out like i said i was like out of the woodwork and and sharing with me their stories and i was like okay i'm not alone here other people have gone through this and and that's interesting she's out and living and surviving and doing okay and it happened to her 10 years ago so maybe that will be my story maybe this won't be the rest of my life because i would have never known that grief was sitting on her shoulder the way it's sitting on mine now Mm -hmm. so that's why I also think it's really important to talk about it because in the way that others sharing their stories really helped me, I think that you sharing yours will help, will help others. You know, just as you are in in talking about Jack and the people that you work with, I'm sure it's, it's they felt like the only person that this happened to. You feel uh, almost like a pariah, like how are you supposed to, to connect with others? If then when you find someone that it has happened to too, it, it's just, it, the healing that it does for your heart is just amazing.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it was almost like, I mean, child loss is its own little category. Yeah. And it was interesting because it was like, people didn't know what to say. So then they wouldn't say anything. And yes. then there was this huge elephant in the room. And I'm like, can we just like have a normal brunch? Like, can we just mm-hmm. be like us, like just be silly and crazy and talk about all this stuff. And I found that people were, they were just sort of like, well, they didn't want to say this. And you know, that this happened and then just, and everyone was so different and stoic. And it was like, we no, no, just be you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, doing that makes the person, you know, it's like so funny. People are like, well, I don't want to say anything. So I don't want to make them uncomfortable, but not saying anything is the most uncomfortable. Right? <laughs> you can make someone. Yeah. So, and, and, and I get it. Like, listen, I've made this my life for the last six years. And I still find it difficult to know the right thing to say to somebody. Cause there is such a pressure that it has to be perfect. And it has to be, you have to, you're, you know, you, you have to solve all of their problems in one 30 second sentence. And that's just not possible. I don't know why we do that to ourselves. But I've found that the simplest things are the ones that mean the most. It's the things that people did for me, whether it was like literally just sending an emoji, like just sending a heart. And I knew, okay, I can either ignore this and go about my day because I don't want to talk about it right now, or yep. this is this is my cue to be able to open up. And sometimes it was like a cork popping and I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> okay. You know, and I I can say, hey, I'm having such a hard day. Thank you so much for texting. And, it, you know, then the person was like, okay, well, I, I'm available for you to talk to. Yep. Um, even people just coming up and just placing a firm hand on my shoulder mm-hmm. and saying nothing at all mm-hmm. has meant the world. Yep. And... You know, like you said, at a brunch, if that's the situation, you know, walking up to the person, putting a hand on your shoulder and just saying, I'm here, I'm here
0: and sitting down and Mm -hmm. then
1: that's it. And that's, that's kind of the, if you want to talk about it, let's go. And if you don't, fine. But you know, if it comes to that point in the conversation you want to, sure. So it's, 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 I guess giving a, um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but, but kind of allowing the person to make the decision on their own of how far they wanted to get into it. And. And keeping it simple, you're not saying anything that screws it up, you know. Or, or like when you know the things people get upset about, like, well, it's better in heaven. Well, no, you
0: know, no, <laughs> oh, right? Just some of the stupid things that people stop say. Right? anything at all. Like yeah. just, 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 just have a, have a mojito or something. Just, just stop talking. Yeah. And it was so funny because it was just like, well, be thankful that you have Emma, and it wasn't meant oh. to be. Me, and well, maybe you can adopt. And like all these things. And it's like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking do not react. Do not react. Mm. They're trying to help. They're trying to help. They're trying now. And then it was almost like, I think at about the six month mark after we had lost him, it's like, nobody brought it up anymore. And it was like, I'm, yeah, still, that gets really I'm, hard. That gets really hard because it's like, it's not something that I, I wanted to talk about. So openly, and because it's become a part of my, my work, everybody knows, and everybody's like, they know what heart rocks are and they know what this means and what that means but for the longest time, it's like, I, I didn't know how to talk about it. And I didn't want that to be the whole conversation. It was, yeah. like, I want to hear about you. Tell me about your stuff. Tell me about what's going on. Like, it's just, it's almost like, yeah, it's like Oshana Sh- was kind of put over here. Cause we don't really know what to say to her. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that because a lot of people, again, they don't know what to say. And, and then they don't say anything and that makes it worse. And all yeah. you have to say is, I, I'm sorry. I'm here. And and like what you said, mm-hmm. just to know that you're not alone with it, just, I will mm-hmm. do whatever, you know, I've got this one friend that, you know, every year she knows when the anniversary is and she'll message me and say, I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of Jack, yeah. how you doing? I'm here. I love you. If you need anything, let me know. And I don't need anything, but just that yeah. is enough for me to go. Okay. Okay. Yeah,
1: because it's like the allowance of like, if I did, I know I have
0: somebody who's willing to be there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Now, and I love how you say that you have to feel it to heal it, because I find a lot of people like we were talking about, you know, they just sort of stuff it down. And, and I find in the community that I work with a lot of, I work with a lot, primarily mothers. I mean, there are dads as a part of that equation as well. And I find mothers are, are, they feel all the feels. Of course, we have the body experience to go along with losing that child. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's on a different level. And then the fathers are like, I don't really even know what to say. I don't, I'm here and I don't really know what that looks like. And, and so, you know, in this last year, we've sort of pivoted where it's like, okay, we have more fathers who want to talk about that loss and, and mm-hmm. how do they experience their grief and, and, and moving through that. And so now you had shared on Instagram, I love the post that you had on Instagram that it was, you know, this father's day, I mean, it's six years. Like would you share how that, how did that feel? What did that, what did that look like for you? I, I, shocked I'm
1: shocked actually at like how easy it was because in the beginning I would have never felt that I would get to that point uh my first father's day happened about two weeks after probably two or three weeks after we lost him and again you know I was like okay it's been three weeks I should be fine (laughs) (laughs) and I was so worried about everybody else in my family I, I don't know why I took on this role of I need to make sure everyone else is okay and i was worried about them so much that i definitely pushed my own feelings down tried to be strong tried to make sure i did everything and was everywhere at the different family events that there were that day and got home and realized oh my god i didn't see my dad today And, oh, my God, I'm never going to see him again. And like an enormous tsunami took over me. I had a massive panic attack. Next thing you know, my future husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, is calling 911. And paramedics had to come scoop me up off the floor. And I spent the night in the hospital. And I quickly learned I can't do that again. I think that was really when the feel it, to heal it kind of, you know, started to creep into my mind of like, I can't push it down. I can't worry about other people. I have to be selfish. This is my time to really be selfish. And that's a hard, hard lesson. Mm-hmm. That is a hard lesson. I know that people, you know, that's, that's, Society is really trying to push that about about just taking care of yourself better. be selfish, think about what you need. It's going to make you a better person in the end. Yes. But that is really a big thing for grief is to be selfish. recognize sit with yourself, recognize what it is that you need. recognize what kind of things you can do for yourself to maybe alleviate things like that, you know, falling onto the floor and a panic attack happening to you later. So mm-hmm. for future father's days, I've tried to tell myself, I've told family and friends you know like I'm off the grid that day like 364 days of the year I'm there and present and and tried to be a normal human but give me that day to just check out and do what I need to do whether that's sleep all day whether that's cry all day whether that's lay on a blanket on the beach listening to all the songs that remind me of my dad like just let me have that time and as I've Given myself that allowance, it's I've seen it get less and less over the years. That like I need to do that. It's been easier. I've been able to focus on other people. The other there's two other things that have really helped. One of them is becoming a mother myself with my my partner and being able to celebrate him as a father and seeing the day change. Um, the other is realizing that just because my father died does not mean he is not my father so it does not mean mm-hmm. that we don't have that relationship and that i don't get to celebrate him on that day again this feeling of that you're alone and you're the only person and mm-hmm. you you think that everybody else gets to celebrate something i don't have today mm-hmm. was really hard but when i realized no he's still my dad i still can celebrate him so maybe he's not here to celebrate but to celebrate with me but you know let me talk about him and share memories and share the music that he loved and and have that day still be about him like that mind shift has really helped and and you know with you i wonder if that's something that you've done on jack's birthday if it's like instead of completely ignoring the day Mm -hmm. have you been like yeah this is jack's day like let's make this about
0: him and and bring him back
1: into into the fold of everything
0: Oh, absolutely, and I, I just, I, I love, I love what you've, you've been able to do with that, that day with your dad. That you know, and I often tell people, you know, just because our, our loved ones are no longer here in the physical, they're still one hundred percent alive in spirit, and we have a different relationship with them. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. And it's interesting because, yeah every year it's on, on Jack's anniversary. It's, I unplug from everybody. I don't go to the gym. I don't go to the farmer's market. I don't even look at my phone. Like people will check in throughout the day and it's just like, nope. And I allow it to be whatever it's going to be. And so this year was this year was a little bit messier than, than other years. Like there have been other years. I mean, I'm 10 years in now. And so those first, you know, few years were a nightmare and then, you know, allowing myself to grieve him. And then every year it was like, I would think, Oh God, what's going to happen. And why work do this? And like mother's day was a total nightmare. Cause it was like, yeah, okay, okay. What do we do with that? And you know, one of the coaches that I've worked with for years, she said to me, she said, you will always be Jack's mama. Yeah. Always always that love doesn't die. That connection's always there. He's your baby's there. He's there with you. And so, um, you know, on mother's day, uh, I, again, mother's day and his anniversary, those are two days that I completely check out. I'm mm-hmm. like, just, just leave me alone. I'm, I'm doing my thing. And, um, it was on his anniversary this year. I, I always go find heart rocks. And so heart rocks are one of my yeah. signs from him. And so I said, Jack, mama needs heart rocks. And so I get my latte and I head out to the mountains. And that day I found 31 heart rocks. Wow! Yeah, like he's there and he's like, here's another one. Here's another one. Like, okay, next time. He was having fun with it. He was showing off. You've shown off. I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like you, you totally delivered that day, my love. And I thought, I sat there and I thought, okay, you need to bring a bag next time or a bucket or something. Right. Like it was just like, oh my gosh, it was beautiful. And so it was, and for me, the signs and, you know, with the work that I do, the signs are, are, are like, I call them sprinkles of heaven. They're just little sprinkles of love from heaven. And just when people, I always, we end every session, everyone knows what their signs are, go look for them. And they're going to start to show up. And it's just, it's so beautiful. And it helps us to know that we're not alone. It helps us to know that that our loved ones are still very much a part of our world. And I always tell people, every time I find a heart rock, I instantly feel Jack. I'm like, oh, there he is, there he is, there he is. And so it's, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. It is. It's, you know, and, and again, having having the awareness that we don't have to show up the way everyone else is expecting us to. Mm -hmm. We don't have to, you know, just put on a happy face and okay, well, this is what we've always done. So I'll go and do this. And this is kind of what's expected of me. And it's like, no. And I yeah. love um, Cheryl Richardson. She wrote a book called the art of extreme self-care. And I reference that so many times with people. I'm like, it is the art of extreme self-care because it's just like the, the airplane analogy. You know, if there's turbulence, put your mask, put on. put your mask first. on first.
1: Oh, my husband says that to me like once a week. I know.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: I was, I was having some mom guilt yesterday. My daughter started camp for the first time. And then I was going to meet up with a, a friend uh, out of state, I drove a few hours to see a a best friend of mine. And I, I got there and just felt so guilty that I had left, you know, like, even though like she's safe and she's in camp and we have other family that was in town that was going to pick her up and blah, blah, blah. But I was like, oh, I just feel so awful for having left. And my husband was like, but you need that time too. Like, you're going to be a better mom. If you get the the friend time for yourself, like you need to put your oxygen mask on first. So yes, yes, I'm telling you, he uses that analogy like once a week for me and it's true. And, And every time I'm like, all right, you're right. You're right. Okay, okay, okay. okay.
0: I love that. And and there was another analogy that I heard a few years ago. I I think it was, maybe it was Mel Robbins. I can't remember, but it was you know, imagine that, that, you know, you've got a cup on a saucer, you are the cup, so you need to be full. And then everything that overflows goes into the saucer, and then people can drink from the saucer. So mm. you are full, you are not depleted, you don't get I, I, I would know that I was um overextending myself and doing too many things I didn't want to when I was when I was grieving and healing, because I start to get resentful, and I start to get kind of spicy. And I just be like, Oh, fine, I'll go. <laughs> it was mm. like, okay, fine. I'll pick up the cupcakes. What else do you need me to do? And it was like, okay, 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 okay. I'm not showing up as the best version of me. Yeah. I need to take a step back from this. So I just, I, yeah, I love that. And it's, I think it's just, it's as women, especially as mothers, you know, as soon as you have children, it's like, huh, okay, okay, okay. I don't have to do everything. I don't have to wear all the hats. I don't have to, I think we're just so used to handling it all. I, you know, I just, we're just so used to playing that role and handling it all. And just, and it, it's just, sometimes it's hard to take a step away from that.
1: It very much is. And how do you know that you can, unless you have examples of that, unless you are seeing that other people are doing the same or feeling the same. And, you know, that's why I think community is such a big part of it and being able to seek out others that are going through the same and instead of just seeing a mirror reflection of yourself seeing what how other people are doing it how are, is it okay for me to do this you know what what are what's somebody else How how do they handle it and you know it's not always going to be the best somebody else may handle it in a, a terrible way that you know for you would be terrible but for them maybe helps so it's all about kind of like trial and error and just finding that community and seeing what makes sense and 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 what's best for you it's it's a dance though it's a very Difficult dance. And and like I say, it takes work, but it's work for you and, and nobody's more worth it. So you have to try.
0: I love that. Nobody's more worth it. It's true. It's, you know, and, and, and you touched on this earlier. It's, it's almost like, you know, well, I, you know, I'm, Uh, this intense guilt. I used to joke with people. I'd say, is this my ADHD guilt coming in? Like, like if I like really take care of myself, like I, I shouldn't take downtime and I should, I should always be doing something and I should always be showing up. And it's almost like my value and my worth was attached to doing more and doing more and doing more and doing more. Mm -hmm. And then finally I just became so burnt out. And after everything that happened with Jack and as I'm sure, you know, I mean, with the work that I do, if I'm not able to show up as a neutral vessel, I am useless to everyone. And I yeah. just, that broke my heart when I, I, had to take a, I had to take a step back from the practice for about six months because it was mm-hmm. just like, you know, I'm so used to telling stories and I'd be telling a story and I'd be like, oh, oh. 100%. <laughs>
1: the, the same thing happened to me with the podcast, actually. I had started it and I needed to, I took a break for almost a year because I, my first break, my second break was because of my pregnancy. But my first break was for almost a year because it was just too hard for me still. Like I found myself, like dragging my feet to go into interviews because I didn't want to talk about things. And I'm like, well, then this is not fun. Mm -mm. This is not what it's supposed to be. I'm not going to be my best interview. I'm not going to, you know, ask the questions I should, or make the person even feel comfortable. Like this is not what this was about. Yeah. So I, I totally get that.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's, I, I think it's a, it's an incredible level of self-awareness to go, you know what, I'm just, I'm, I'm not feeling good and I need to, I need to take care of that. And I often tell people, you know, they're like, well, you know, do I, I and I remember when after we'd lost Jack and I went to my doctor and I said, I just, I don't feel good. I, I'm not sure what to do with this. It's almost like I call her a spiritual toolbox. It's like, I dumped out my spiritual toolbox and I'm like, now, fuck. Now, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, <laughs> like there's, there's nothing left. Oh my god. So I book in and see my doctor, and she's like, "Well, okay. So do you want to go talk to somebody, or do you want like a prescription for something?" And I said, "Those are my options." Mm-hmm. And I mean, ten years ago, especially in the child loss community, it wasn't talked about the way that it is now. Yeah, and it was just like. I didn't know what to say to anyone. I didn't, I didn't want to go talk to someone about my stuff. And I didn't want to be taking something if I didn't really know why I was taking it. I said, I just didn't understand why I felt so horrible and sad. And, mm. and I think, and, and I, I talk openly about this with people, you know, after we lost Jack, I mean, that was the beginning of the end of our marriage. Mm. And so it was like, my, you know, husband at the time, he was like, I'd be, you know, a blubbering mess. And he'd be like, okay, I'll go pick him up from school. I'd be like, okay, okay. And then he would come home and say, all right, uh, so what are we having for supper? And it was like, yeah, (laughs) there was this huge disconnect. And so it was at that point that I thought, I need to figure out what this looks like for me. And Mm. I always tell people, you know what, your grief is is yours and and you have to be very gentle with yourself you know and I find a lot of people will it's like they almost gaslight themselves well I should be over this oh a hundred percent
1: yeah (laughs) a hundred percent
0: seriously it's like okay stop
1: (laughs) so many people that I talk to do that and I just have to be gentle because I know that I was in the exact space too where I did that to myself and quite frankly still do sometimes and I just say to them like totally valid that you feel that way totally valid that you're putting that pressure on yourself 99 of the people do mm-hmm. but it's not the truth and it's you should not be expected to do x y and z or whatever it is you know like let's unravel that for a second and see what we can do to make sure that you're not putting
0: that pressure there exactly exactly now i love how you shared in our last conversation how becoming a mother-filled avoiding uh, art. Would yes. you, would you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So
1: the choice to become a mother was, uh, something that I, I didn't take lightly. Um, I, you know, knew I wanted to be a mom, but it was, it was never like my life's goal. Like I have some friends that were like literally waiting for the second that they could become a mother. I kind of was just like, yeah, I want a partner. I want to get married. And if that's something that they want, I'm happy to do that and to, you know, start a family and, and to do that. My mom always jokes. I was an only child growing up and that like, I didn't know what to do with kids when I was a kid because I was just always around adults. So, you know, like having my own children wasn't like first on my list. So when my husband and I started to talk about it, he was very gun ho like we should have kids and, you know, that's what we were going to do. But uh, so after I had lost my dad, my husband also lost his mom. So like I said, we went through a year and a half of really tough times and something that was very unfortunate, but also brought us closer because we kind of just had to. We had to cling on to each other. And I know that's not the case with every marriage. I'm grateful for us that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't know if we were in the right space for a couple of reasons. One, if we were feeling well enough to to get into this journey. Um, you know, it's a physical and emotional journey to become a parent. But two, the idea of opening myself up to loving something that could also be lost in the way that our parents were, was terrifying. So we went to, and if anybody else is on this same journey, I encourage you to look into it. Um, your OBGYN office can probably recommend someone, but there are specific psychiatrists that deal with maternal fetal issues like this, specifically for women, you know, going through miscarriage, going through IVF, whatever it may be around anything with having having children. So we were referred to someone, we went and spoke with her and found out a lot about ourselves in the one like hour long session that we had with her and just ways that the trauma that we had experienced could influence the way that we react to getting pregnant and having kids. Mm. And when I tell you, damn it, did she hit it spot on? And we ended up encountering much of those things that she had brought up. And then we felt, okay, this is normal. We had a preview of this. We <laughs> knew this was going to happen. We Now we know why it's happening, right? Like it was able to say, oh, this is the trauma talking, you know, <laughs> and to be able <laughs> to work through it. Um, so I found that incredibly helpful and, uh, you know, and it was definitely something to work through of, of course, okay, my, I'm pregnant and my dad's not here and I'm having a baby and my dad's not going to be the grandfather. My daughter doesn't get to meet her, you know, all those things. So you definitely go through them. But when that child was born, like, oh my God, the love that I feel for her, the love that I feel for my son. It's, it's still something that I go through every day that my dad doesn't, isn't here to experience it. But I'm also of the mind that he is experiencing it. But I just don't, you know, we don't get the physical of it. Yes. Um, but it has, it I, as you said, I had said in the pre call, it has filled a void in my heart that I just didn't know was was capable of. Like I, 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 again, like I felt my grief was going to be loudly with me for a very long time and it wasn't. And, and, and there's so many different things into it. I don't know if it's just seeing myself there's, there's the love component of it, of course. Right. But then is it seeing myself be a productive human, you know, like being able to to interact with them and be productive in ways that I I never could have in my deep grief, that it's almost like bringing a pride for myself again. You know, you as we've been talking about this whole interview and how hard people can be on themselves. Yes, that all of a sudden to see myself excel at something, oh,
0: just just
1: really, you know, it it did a, it did wonders for me.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: so I think it you know between the love of the children and and the way that I, who who I was becoming despite thinking I could never be successful at anything again because grief just ruined my life you know it it, it really it's just been everything and more and and that I could have ho- hoped for and I like to think my dad is is really proud of that too, you know, cause I, what's the alternative? I would have said, no, I'm not having kids because my dad died a few years ago. Like what's that. And, and I'm sure for some people that's, that's the case, but I was, for me, I was really proud that I was able to move on in a way to create a life for myself that has been really beautiful.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. That is just so beautiful. It's, it's something that I refer to as, as life after loss. Yeah, there is, there is a way that you, that you and like you said, you know, you have to feel it to heal it. Like I tell people, you have to go through it. Mm -hmm. You can't sidestep it. Like I probably baked 10,000 cupcakes in two years. And that didn't get rid of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not talking about it didn't get rid of it. And so yeah, it's going to it's going to rear its head. And I think, I think it's just so beautiful that you were able to feel that again to feel that sense of accomplishment and I'm proud and and I did this and I've got this and this is incredible and you know you touched on you know people often say to me well you're a medium what's the big deal you can connect with Jack and it's like well I, I can't physically hold him yeah I can't I can't you know smell that outside smell on him and mm-hmm. I said it's just, it's different so absolutely it's and I find, you know, those first, the first year or two, the first year, the year of firsts. Yeah. It was oh. just Oh, wow. I, I, <laughs> just, I was dreading like, a month out. I'd be like, okay, it's in my daytime or uh, what am I doing?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the, the number on the calendar, I mean, my dad died on the 22nd and the, the 22nd of every month that year was awful let alone just the year anniversary. And then, you know, you have every first of random holidays or, or whatever it was, or just, uh, you know, for me, sports were really big. So it was like, oh, okay, the first season of football, like that was freaking miserable, <laughs> you know? So yeah. Yeah. It, it does start to get better. And, you know, somebody gave me really good advice early on and just said, listen, some years are gonna be better than others and some may really suck and you have no idea why, and that is just the roller coaster of this thing. Yep. And it's true and you know like i said this year for the 6 years was i was totally okay last year for 5 probably was my worst since the first really yeah um i don't know if like the the 5 mark had something to do mm. with it or i think really there there was other stuff going on in the family at the time that i was like I really need you here for this and you're not. And then it intersected like the same week of the anniversary and I think kind of made it all worse. So, sure, they may, you know, I may go the next seven years with everything being fine. And then all of a sudden, year 13 is horrible again. But I try not to, I try to let it happen again, let myself feel those things, let myself process it, and then not get down on myself and say, this is your fault. You're doing something wrong. But just be able to recognize what that person had told me years ago and all right, this is normal. This is part of it. I don't need to get all up in arms. Let's just ride this out. It's going to be really bad, but then everything will straighten course again.
0: It does, and and you know, one of the, a, I didn't wear mascara for two years. B, mm-hmm. um, I used to always think, you know, Marie Forleo, everything is figured yeah. out. I have yeah. no idea how I'm going to figure this out, but I used to think, you know, okay, and 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 it you know depends on what you know what people's belief systems are, what their their belief structures are, but I would think, you know, okay, I know that God has a bigger plan for my life, yeah. and. This has happened. And I I love the work of Peter Crome because he always says, you know, choice, choices, 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 and that suffering is a choice. And that is not to negate the loss, the pain, not any of that. But he said, you know, there, suffering is a choice. And he said, suffering is thinking that there maybe could have been a different outcome. And he said, we don't know that because this is the outcome that we have. And mm-hmm. the real work becomes unpacking that and sitting with it and letting it be messy and being angry with it and, and having, you know, 15 different stages of grief, whatever that looks like for you and honoring it and and just allowing yourself and feeling it and moving through it. Because on the other side of that, there are so many beautiful blessings. And on the other yeah, side of really, that. Yep. Mm-hmm,
1: And it could be the same thing that you experienced before your grief, but like we talked about in the beginning, the lens that you have after the loss of someone is just completely different, and the way that you are able to appreciate it—it's like seeing life in HD sometimes. (laughs) Like, like you're just the experiences are just different because you're you're different.
0: Mm -hmm. You're different, absolutely. And it was like you know, it would we had moved. you know, we had we had been moving, and and I put all of Jack's stuff in a box, and I just sort of put it away, and I didn't even mark what was in the box. I was like, just 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 this has got to go in the basement. I don't I don't even want to look at this. And then we were moving, and we get moved, and I'm like, oh, I'm unpacking. And I open this box, and I'm like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. It was just like all of it came back, and it was just yeah. holy. And then my girlfriend was there with me, and she's like, okay, what do we do with this? And she used to always say, we. And so I, I just, I just, I would love that about her. And I, I've, I've taken that from her. I will say to someone, what do, what can we do with this? Because I don't want yeah. people to feel alone with anything. And so she's like, what do we do with this? And so she was closing the box and she took it and she tucked it away where I didn't look at it. And she said, okay, now what do we need to do? And I said, we need to go for a walk or we need to, I need to get away from this. And so it's it's, again, navigating whatever that's going to look like. And you're right. Like it's, um, this year I was a complete blubbering mess. It's 10 mm-hmm. years. I wondering if it is something of five, 10, yeah. 20. Yeah. I'm wondering if there is something with that because Might I, be. last year I was totally fine. I'll Eight. let you know in four years. Yeah. We'll touch base. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, see how, let's see how this goes. Right. It was just like, Oh my goodness. And it's it, absolutely, it, it it's, it, this work is cathartic. Like it's mm. it's it's so beautiful, so painful. It has so many different pieces to it, and you know, oftentimes people will book in, and they're like, I I I don't even. I just it feels like a tsunami. And I love to explain to people, and maybe you can you can touch on this: is you know, if you have this loss here, it's going to ping pong back onto all of the other losses that you've had.
1: Oh and,
0: yeah. yeah, it's going to open those up, and it just it can knock you on your ass, really.
1: Yeah, it. W- I went through that pretty rough. It was uh, really difficult for me to hear of anybody else going through a similar loss without fully reliving what I went through without Mm. fully just ripping the scab open and living it all over again. I mean, I had, uh, it was a year and a half later, um, a cousin of ours had suddenly passed away, um, and his children were my age. And to know that they were going through what I went through, like just knowing that people you love are are like, I just, you know, it's like the next morning, like remembering waking up in the morning and that feeling of, oh my God, that wasn't a horrible nightmare, knowing what they're going to go through and planning the funeral, knowing what they're going to go through and after the funeral. I, I... relived everything that I went through and then like thought about them going through it I mean it, it was as if my dad had died all over again for me uh, it, it was really difficult and there have been others where I it's like I feel the same thing where it just again just rips that scab open completely that has since faded and and passed Um, but it's, it, it was definitely something that I was shocked about and no one really prepared me for. Mm -hmm. I don't love going to, to funerals now. Um, I, I kind of got out of that with COVID for two years that we, you know, didn't have to, um, but it's, I, 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 I'm better
0: with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's. You know, and it, it's funny, you know, people are like, well, you're 10 years in, you know, it's it's easier for you. And um, I talked about this on our last uh, our last podcast episode, and um, it was a year ago, and I was at this event, and I thought, I'm going to go sit outside in the sun for a bit, just have a little bit of a break. And um, I went out, and there was this little boy going up and down the slide with his dad. And his dad's like, okay, buddy, we've got to go. And he's like, no, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. No, 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 no. And so he kept going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And then he came and he ran right in front of me, and for that split second, I saw Jack. It was like oh my God. And my heart started pounding. and I almost started crying. He's like, are you watching me? And I said, yes, I'm watching go. So he went up and down the slide about another 20 times. And the dad's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm not done yet. And he kept going and kept going. And then he went over one more time. And he kind of looked at me. And again, he ran off, went up and down the slide one more time and then shifted. I'm tired and I want to go home. And then they left. And I just sat there and it was like, oh my gosh, it was like in that split moment, Mm -hmm. there was, there was my sweetheart. And it was just like, wow. And I was pretty quiet for the rest of the day. Yeah. The rest of the day, it was just, it wasn't melancholy, but it was just, huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then wondering, you know, what would he, what would he be like at 10? What would he be into, you know, have his nose in a book? Would he be a mad scientist? Would he be, you know, an avid hockey player? Like what, what would he what would he be, what would he be like? And so, you know, you just, you start to incorporate.
1: And we tend to fantasize it too, right? Like, I mean, I certainly do that with my dad. You know, my dad and I had a complicated relationship, which in turn made my grief really complicated. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I have gotten good at trying to see both sides of the story as well, is where I want to think he would be the world's best grandfather and be here every day and want to be with my kids and want to be with me. Chances are, we probably would have had some struggles, like we had, you know, that where maybe I'd be like, dude, where are you? Like, it's been, you know, X amount of time. Why haven't you come to see the kids? Or I thought you were coming and he's, you know, chose work or whatever it is. And I think, you know, that was probably difficult for the people around me that I wanted to fantasize how good it would be if he were here you know but and and you know maybe you know not poor little jack but you know maybe jack would have been a problem child or maybe you would have been dealing with x y or z or whatever but right? you always want to say like no he would be it would have been perfect we would have lived this beautiful mm-hmm. life and everything would have been great if he were here yep. um
0: and but it's, it is, uh... it's important to recognize both I I I 100% agree. There was um, I you know those first couple of years, like I, I'd mentioned, were just a nightmare. And then I was guided to have a reading with, uh, you know, a beautiful beautiful soul. And um, you know, she had said, you know, well, have you connected with Jack? And so we were chatting, and and she she looked at me partway through the reading, and she said, just so you know, he would have been a hellion. Yeah. 16, 17, you would have been thinking, why the heck did we have this kid? And so I thought, okay, okay, that sounds like me. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, you're right. Like we, we have this, this idea of, oh, it would be blissful and, and it mm-hmm. would be magical and it would be amazing. And it's like, well, you know, we're in human form and <laughs> maybe it would have been, maybe not. And so I love that because yeah, people have a, a tendency to fantasize about what it, what it looks like. And, you know, there have been, um, A handful of moms that I've worked with over the years who, after they've lost a child, they have decided, all right, I'm done. My life is done and my life will not be complete until I am Mm -hmm. on the other side with them. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. You can create a life that you love. You can, they want us to live life to the fullest that you know like my grandmother would say take the bull by the horns and don't you dare stop and she was just feisty and it was like okay this is what we're doing they become our greatest cheerleaders I know would you share the signs the messages how you experience your dad now on the other side (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So many.
1: <laughs> so I don't even just have like one thing. I know a lot of people have like coins or butterflies or, or something. And I mean, he just comes through in every single way. So the the very first one that I got was uh, the day after the funeral. I think there, there might have been a couple more even before the funeral, just to kind of like let me know that he checked in in heaven (laughs) and he was, and he was settled. But the, the, the one that, that really rings out was, um, you know, I was just very unsettled the day after the funeral. And I was like, I need to do something. I need to do something in memoriam of him. And I really want to go get a piece of jewelry. I had um, some family diamonds that he had actually made into a ring for me, but I, I just wasn't wearing, it just wasn't, it didn't fit or it like, wasn't like you know. So I said, why don't I take those diamonds, get them put into something, have it inscribed like with his initials or his name or something that was special to us. Let me go to a jeweler and try to figure this out. So we had family friends that owned a jeweler. So I called and said that we were going to go. And they said, great. They know that you're coming. When you walk in, tell them that we sent you and they'll have the salesperson come to you and work with you specifically. So we get there. Mind you, also my dad was very famous for um, like just, you know, making trouble in church. (laughs) And um, he would always have like a handful of jelly beans and he would like one by one kind of like reach over in the middle of church and like drop them for you. And it was like a whole thing with our family and he would do it with a bunch of the younger kids and stuff too. So Mm -hmm. before they had closed the casket I had handed out, jelly beans to our family and everybody went in and put in a little handful of jelly beans. So we get to the jewelry store and they have little martini glasses full of jelly beans on every one of the cases. (laughs) And then the man that came over to me and said, yes, the owners called and said that you would be coming. I'm the one that's gonna help you today. I'm so sorry for your loss. You know, let's make you something really special. My name is Gad, let's get started. So his name was GAD, which is an unusual name. Yes. G-A-D. Those are my dad's initials. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, and it was just, for me, it said, I'm here. I know you're here. Let's do this. Let's make it together. This is... It was an incredibly powerful thing because it was like, you know, this is like day six, you know, and it's like, this is him saying like, I'm not leaving. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to be around. See this little, th- see everything I just or- organized and orchestrated in this place today. I'm going to do that hundreds of times and we're going to be here and I'm going to feel you. And it, it was it was amazing. And honestly, since then, it, it hasn't stopped. And there have been so many specific things with his name. Or his initials, or uh, I mean, the other one that was just wild was on the second or third anniversary. It was 2020. So that was the third. So this was the, the third anniversary. It was the middle of COVID. You know, I barely left the house. I'm pregnant at the time. And that day, I'm just feeling pretty antsy, feeling, you know, and uh, I said, I, I want to get out. Let's, let, you know, CVS was our big,
0: Alving because you can't
1: do anything else during COVID. So we went to CVS and I said, you know what? I want like a, one of those sugary cereals because he always used to let me get them. My mom never would. Dad would always let me get the sugary cereals. Let me get one. It'll just be like, nice to have a bowl and remind me of him. I picked out one, I put it in the cart. And then I said, you know what? I don't want that one. Something just came over me and said, not that one. I put it back. I picked Apple Jacks, like another one, put it in the cart get to the 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 um, cashier she put I put it on I still don't see anything she picks it up she scans it and the way that she puts it back down again before she put it in the bag had the back of the box face me my dad's name is Gary and on top of the box said where's Gary. And it was, like, you know how there's, like, games on the back of a box? And that's what it was. There was some cartoon character named Gary. And the back of the box was, like, a maze for kids to play in or draw on to get to find that cartoon character. And when I tell you, oh, my God. I mean, like, the hair on my arms is standing up. I, like, must have slapped my husband and was, like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, not even where's dad or father or something like that like his name (laughs) he's good he is good I know I said you in the pre-call I said he was a loud Italian when he was here and he is a loud Italian up there still
0: (laughs) Oh yes oh my gosh that is so good That is so good. Nice, nice. (laughs) Yeah,
1: And there's been other times, you know, like songs of his that come on at certain times or times where like I'll see his car that he used to drive pass by at certain times. Like it's very, you know, it's and I'm sure this is something you share with your clients. Like it may seem so incredible and so unbelievable and so ridiculous. But if you just try and just open yourself up to receiving these things, you'll start to see them so much more. So much more.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I always tell people it's how open and available you are because they are, they are even more excited on the other side when we get it. Like, like, oh, Oh, finally they got it. They got it because they are literally a thought away. And Uh I always tell people, you know, whenever you find, Whenever you find that sign, whatever that is, if it's a dime or whatever it is, thank you, more please, let's go. It becomes a game, and then it's just like, oh my gosh! Like I, like I was sharing, you know, I found thirty-one heart rocks that day. It was like like all I could hear was, "Here's another one, here's another one, keep." (laughs) It was just like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic, and so it's. Is how open and available we are because I mean our logical mind is like this isn't real like you're just this is crazy this isn't this isn't happening and mm-hmm. I had um, I don't have it happen very often anymore but I used to have um, on TikTok we usually have a lot of people coming like you're the devil and you shouldn't be doing this work and I find oh, sure, it kind of sure now, right I'm like I, you know I must be hitting the right chord now because we've got the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. which is fine yeah. bring them it's all good we'll send them some more love and it was so fascinating because. And this one guy who was like, you should be ashamed of what you're doing and, and this isn't real and, and you're taking people's money and you're you're feeding off their grief and how do you know it's real? And I said, well, how do you know that oxygen that you're breathing is real? Like, do you go to Costco and, and buy it every week? Like, how do you know that that's real? I said, this is an invitation for people to consider that maybe there is more
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it isn't the only way to do it my way isn't the only way my way isn't that this is how it's done i know it's true for me in my heart mm-hmm. and this is an invitation for everyone else to discover what that is for them as well and yeah. you know what i know for sure is that you know when we allow spirit to interweave into our world uh, we can create magic and you know i tell people you know when you've made that connection with your loved one on the other side you are connected to unconditional love Yeah. And miracles and magic possibilities. Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: I've always believed in it. I had experiences with grandparents and things like that, but uh, I mean, it's, it's just been beyond with my dad and it's been amazing in that sense. And it's certainly made it a little easier for those that have passed since, um, because I know, okay, this isn't the complete end of it. You know, sometimes I joke where I'm like, Oh, I feel like he just like moved to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't see him all the time and maybe his yeah. connection isn't so good so I can't call him, but like it doesn't feel it feels like his spirit is still alive and living somewhere, which it is. You know, it's just in a non-physical place that we can't actually visit, but yeah. this feeling of that like he's not just done, gone, canceled, wiped off the face of the earth, his memories wiped out, like that was the most painful part of that. And I think that's something that time really gives you to is once you, you don't know how it's going to be in three four five six ten 10 years in the beginning, but once you start getting to those years and you say, oh, people are still talking about him. People do still remember him. Oh, I do still remember exactly how his smile looks or exactly how it feels to hold his hand. You know, yep. it starts to ease your heart a little bit more to, to just kind of say, ah, okay, like time really can't erase this.
0: No. And I just, I love that. I love that. Cause people are like, well, you know, you know, in time, time, this and time that, and it's like, no, I will always have a little sore spot in my heart. Mm-hmm. Just always will, you know, it's, it's sort of covered up now and it doesn't get poked anymore, but it's just, yeah, it's it, there's always going to be a tender spot there. And that's okay. I just, it's, it's a part of me. I want to
1: tell you an analogy. Do you ever hear the ball in the box analogy?
0: No, what is it? Okay,
1: this is one of my favorites and it goes into what you were saying. So if you picture a box and there's a button on one side, that is pain and that is your grief. And the box, when the death first happens, the ball is pretty much the entire size of the box. So when you shake the box, it's constantly hitting up that pain button and there's a lot of pain happening. And then as time goes on, the box gets bigger and bigger and bigger or the ball gets smaller, however you wanna look at it. But that pain button is the same button and it's eliciting the same type of reaction. But so as it's going on and on, and when the box shakes or life happens and just your daily thing, the box is, the ball's going around and it's hitting different parts of it. It's, you know, going all over the place. And every now and then it may hit that button. It's the same button. It is the same pain. I but love it may it. not be hitting it as often as it as you know. Once it's when it's smaller, you know, there's a more percentage that it's going to hit. But then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That percentage gets
0: smaller, but it's still the same button. Oh, I love that. That is yeah, that's up- one of brilliant. my favorites. Oh, yeah. I love that. It's brilliant. Because yeah, it's it's interesting because yeah, just random weirdo things will happen. I'm like, oh, I'm crippled. I'm like, what the heck is that? <laughs> what just happened? Mm-hmm. And it's just. Like, and then you know, I'll go six, seven months, and it's like. Huh. I'm fine. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. That that's yes. that encapsulates it right there. That is that is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's yeah amazing. I have so so loved our conversation today. We could talk Me too. Forever, forever. I know. We'll have to do this again. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, would you tell everybody where they can find you because we've got so sorry for your loss. You've got your website, the blog, the podcast, we've got all the skies sending the meaningful gifts. Tell, tell everybody everything. Yes. I have a lot going on. So if you love
1: that, that, uh, saying that we have feel it to heal it, I actually have really cute shirts on my website. So there is uh, a sympathy shop that I opened up called all the skies and uh, a little ode to my dad. Cause he used to tell me that he loved me more than all the oceans and all the skies. So that's what I named it. And, uh, some really cute, um, some some merchandise on there as far as T-shirts and sweatshirts that have little emblems that say loved by an angel above, which is a really great gift for yourself if you want some self-care or to be able to send it to someone that you know that's grieving. Some really good grief books that are in there, some self-care items. Um, so check that out. That's shopalltheskies.com. My podcast is so sorry for your loss that can be found on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. And my Instagram is so sorry with Gianna. I have kind of transitioned. I'm not focusing so much on grief content there. I've kind of moved into this motherhood world as, as we talked about. Um, but, but definitely some, some grief content in the past and my website, so You can uh, certainly see a lot more of the grief content there. Connect with me. Um, my DMS are always open. My emails are open. I'm happy to connect with anybody.
0: So please reach out and, uh, take care of yourselves, everybody. Mm, thank you so much. And we will have everything in the show notes so everyone can find you. I just, I adore you. This has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you Same. for sharing your heart and, and your dad. Where's Gary? <laughs> yeah,
1: Gary and Jack are up there hanging out, causing trouble. I'm sure Gary is teaching Jack all the, all the bad tricks. <laughs> oh yes, I, yes,
0: I'm sure. I, I'm going to have some fun in my world coming up. I, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. So thank you. Thank you again. All my love. Thank you. It's been wonderful. You can find me on Instagram at Shauna Demallen Medium or visit my website at livealifeyoulove.org where you'll find my offerings, including my Growing Up in Heaven program that teaches you how to make the connection with your son or daughter on the other side. Thank you for listening and see you next time here on the Oracle of Light.